0: Hello, and welcome back to another season of Dancing in the Kitchen. If you're new here, my name is Deva Miles, and I am a dancer as well as a vegan chef. I created this podcast to share all about my life as a dancer and how I've managed to overcome some of the challenges I've faced. I also touch on all things wellness-related, nutrition, sleep, gut health, mindset, and I'd love to talk about anything that you're interested in. Just let me know. Thank you for joining me, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, welcome back. I realize that I start every podcast episode the same way, of course with the intro, but also by saying hello and welcome back to Dancing in the Kitchen. I just don't know any other way to start it, and honestly, I kind of like it. Okay, let's get into today's update. I have a few things to say, actually, that I've just been thinking about this past week that I wanted to mention. Number one, my favorite song at the moment is Gypsy Woman. She's homeless. Oh my gosh, I heard that song in the gym last week. I forgot that it existed, that song, and I've been playing it nonstop. It's really nice, too, because it's like a seven and a half minute song, so I play it in the morning as I'm getting ready, and it pumped me up so well I get so energized, I, don't, I love it. I'm obsessed with that song right now. I also wanted to say that I finished the book that I was talking about in the first episode of season two. I can't remember the exact title because I just lent it to a friend, but it was the book on narcissism. I think it was called How to Deal with Narcissists or something of that sort. And I just finished it at the beach yesterday And I wanted to give my review. To be quite honest, it wasn't my favorite book. It was hard for me to pick up and read. It didn't make me want to read it, you know? And I think because it was almost too informational and because it seemed a little bit biased on the side of being not narcissistic. And of course, nobody wants to be labeled a narcissist, but I mean, it felt like the author was yelling at me about how bad narcissists were and how they were evil people etc cetera, etc cetera. I was like okay calm down like it's okay <laughs> I was not expecting it to be so harsh so I felt like that for a lot of the book that it was just kind of screaming at me the reason I'm not saying that it was a horrible book is because I, I enjoyed the way it ended the way it wrapped things up and it settled down a little bit more near the end so overall it was quite interesting but a whole book on narcissism? I don't know. It, didn't, it wasn't my vibe entirely. The next book I'm starting is called Noise, A Flaw in Human Judgment, and the author is Daniel Kahneman. Not sure if I pronounced that right. Anyway, besides the point, it's called Noise. Another informational one, I'm sure. I'm reading the back right now, and it seems like it's going to be talking about the noise in our lives and how it is affecting some of the judgments we make and the decisions. I'll let you know how it is. I know I mentioned that my cookbook was going to be up on Amazon soon. Unfortunately, I've come across another glitch in the system and something's not going entirely right. So It's gonna take a little bit longer than I expected for it to be up on Amazon. I got the proof. It came to my mom's place, actually. She looked it over. I looked it over over FaceTime. It was great. The quality of the pictures was great. The book looked good. Sizing was all correct. But then when I pressed submit to Amazon, the next day it said there was a margin error and something to do with expanding the width of the text, something crazy like that. And my mom and I can't figure out what Amazon is asking for so we have to look into that a little bit more and my mom's a graphic designer so she would know out of all people what they're asking for is that's like her job but we're still a little bit confused so it's not coming yet but it will be coming because I'm determined to get my cookbook on Amazon last thing I wanted to say is that okay let me backtrack for a second I was taking a shower at the gym and you know how you get those random shower thoughts that all of a sudden come really clear to you and you're like, oh, that's a great idea. That happened to me. I was washing my hair and I was giving it like a really nice conditioner, massaging my head, you know, really just indulging in that moment. And then I thought to myself, I think I'm going to have my Sundays be dedicated to self-care and I'll call them self-care Sundays. Okay. Bear with me here. I know this sounds super cheesy, but I, I kind of love this idea and then as more and more I was thinking I was like okay what can I do in the form of self-care on a Sunday to get me refreshed for the week I can take a really nice shower and wash my hair and shave like do all the things exfoliate maybe a face mask maybe I can cut my nails file them paint them I can write in my agenda plan ahead for the week I mean I normally do that on a Sunday because it's leading up to the new week. I can take some time to cook myself a nice breakfast. I can go on a nice walk. I can read. I basically can do anything that is a little bit extra that I would consider self-care that I wouldn't necessarily do every day because it takes a little bit more time, but It's perfect to do on a day like Sunday when you're trying to rest and recuperate from the week that you've had, get ready for a new week, and self-care Sunday kind of has a little nice tone to it. So I've decided my Sundays are now going to be self-care Sundays. Not strictly everything on Sunday needs to be self-care and I can't do anything that isn't, but I just want to make sure that I'm implementing at least one aspect of self-care that will make me feel refreshed and rejuvenated for the week ahead so if anyone else wants to do that with me feel free so for today's topic i wanted to get a little bit more into my love of cooking and how i how that came to be i feel like i haven't really talked too much into detail about that but It's definitely a big part of my life, and it needs to be a big part of my life now with all of the dietary restrictions that I have. So I just wanted to share how it became such a big part of my life. So growing up, my parents are divorced. At my mom's place, she would always cook for us. And then at my dad's place, my stepmom would always cook for us. My dad cooked sometimes, but not super fancy. My stepmom really liked to experiment in the kitchen and I remember always being really interested in what she was doing. She loved her time in the kitchen and I think it's safe to say now that she definitely loved being alone in the kitchen, in control, in power of what she was doing. And I totally understand that now. When I'm cooking, I want it to be just me. It's my time to unwind from the day I'm in my own thoughts. Maybe I'm listening to music or a podcast. I don't want anyone lingering over me, watching me, asking how they can help. That's great and all, but sometimes it's just a time for yourself. So I understand now when my stepmom, I always used to ask her, oh, can I help you? Can I help you? And sometimes, of course, she'd say, yeah, sure, you can cut the bread, blah, blah, blah. But most of the time she's like, oh, no, it's okay. Like, you go back to doing what you're doing. And I see what she's saying. Anyway, I just got sidetracked. So I did always have meals cooked for me. And they were always quite different. Because when I was at my mom's house, she would have a selection of things that she would cook. Like her lasagna, pork chops. I love that I'm talking about meat, even though I'm vegan now. But she made really good pork chops. We had tortellini Tuesdays, which was great. And then I would go the next week over to my dad's and I would have things like my stepmom's famous Dora surprise, which is like um, a rice stew with black beans and stuff, really nice dish. Or she would make roasts or shepherd's pie, it's pretty elaborate dishes a lot of the time. So I was really used to having many different types of foods But I was never super interested in the cooking myself because someone was always doing it for me and it was great. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever works for me. I was also a busy kid. I had my extracurricular activities, dance being a big one of them, and school and hanging out with friends. So I was just happy to have a meal put on the table for me when it came to dinner time. It wasn't until around grade nine for me, I think I was around 14 years old, Maybe a little bit earlier, actually, that I started to watch food shows on the Food Network channel on TV. And I was addicted to the Food Network channel. I watched every show. I was always recording it so I wouldn't miss any episode of any show. That's the first thing I would turn on when I came home from school and I would watch Food Network any spare moment I had basically I'd have it in the background when I was doing my homework or when I was stretching or when I was cooking and um, I don't know really what got me to be so addicted to this show but I feel like it opened up this whole other world and it also just made cooking seem so fun there was the shows like Chopped, Cutthroat Kitchen, Guys Grocery Games Um, Beat Bobby Flay, Food Network Star and all those shows people were bringing out dishes that they had created and experimenting or Chopped was really great because it was a if you don't know what that show is they were given a box and in the box there was some random ingredients and they had to create this dish out of the random ingredients and compete against each other whose dish was best. I loved that idea. It just opened up my brain to this whole realm of possibilities when it comes to cooking. Like you can literally do anything and you can make a dish good. So it was very inspiring to watch. And that's when I started to kind of want to be one of those people on the shows. So I would go into the kitchen and I'd be like, "Hmm, what do we have in the fridge? Okay, I'm going to try to whip something together with this. I wasn't great at it. I started out a lot just following recipes, really basic recipes, for like lasagna dishes or pasta, casseroles, stuff like that. And I would cook them for dinner for my family. That was another huge thing. I started to love cooking for other people. I still do to this day. It's my favorite thing to do, but just spending so much time creating a dish or following a recipe and putting so much effort into it. And then giving it to people and seeing their reactions. And usually their reactions were good. Not sure if they were faking it, but I appreciate if they were at the time because it made me feel good. Just seeing people go, wow, this is really good. Oh, I need this recipe, blah, blah, blah. I loved hearing that, and that filled me with so much joy, and it made me want to continue cooking. And there was a point when it came to be I didn't feel that same satisfaction when I was doing another person's recipe Because it wasn't me. I can't take credit for this. I didn't make this recipe. I just helped bring it to the table, bring it to other people's mouths by following the steps. So when people would say, wow, this dish is so good. Oh my gosh, Deva, this is amazing. I didn't feel like it was for me. I was like, okay, great. I'm glad you like it. Here's the recipe of this cookbook I used. That is when I decided that I really wanted to make my own recipes and get creative. In my own way, because then it was for me, you know then I could show other people my dishes and have them taste my food and if they liked it, it was coming from my brain anyway i'll get I'll get into that i'm I'm jumping ahead a little bit. I was obsessed with the food network channel, I also was on pinterest, I was in my pinterest era, and once you start looking at one thing on Pinterest, the algorithm catches on. So they were just blasting me with thousands of recipes at the time. And I would save all of them. And I also loved the photography that came along with those recipes. So that was another inspiring thing for me to see. So throughout grade 9, 10, and 11, I was in that phase of my life. When I was cooking for people, it was just very therapeutic for me to come home, to put on a Food Network show, and to cook dinner for someone, or to make my own lunches, stuff like that. Baking too, I really enjoyed, actually. It wasn't just cooking. A lot of people say, oh, I love baking, I hate cooking, or the opposite way around, but I really love doing both. Um, Cooking is a little bit more stressful, or at least it was, because you have to have everything ready at once. It's like You put the onions on the pan and then all of a sudden you need to be stirring the sauce that you're making over on this other skillet and then you need to make sure that the noodles are ready and meanwhile chop the toppings everything is happening at once and it's all fast paced and then everything's finished at once whereas baking you can kind of linger in the moment you can take your time you're adding your dry ingredients you can mix it you can walk away you come back you can add your wet ingredients then you put it in the oven, you walk away, you come back. Like, it's, it's much more casual. It's very much a weekend endeavor. But I loved doing both. I loved the excitement of the cooking. And also, you cook way more than you bake, I would say. Because, at least for me, I would cook my meals for dinner. I would bake occasionally, you know. I loved both. Okay, then I moved to Calgary. I'm from Ontario. I moved to Calgary for my grade 12 year. And that was my first experience living on my own, actually. And I was fully living on my own. I was in a basement suite, so I had a whole kitchen to myself. I had a bedroom. I had a bathroom. That's all I really needed. But I was responsible for cooking all of my dishes. Stuff like that never got me nervous or anything. I honestly saw it more as a fun challenge. I was like, yes, I get to cook my meals. I can be experimental. The only thing now that I was realizing was that I had to buy my own groceries and that changes the game because when I was living with my parents, they would buy all the groceries. I didn't need to worry about that at all. I could choose recipes with really strange ingredients and they would go buy the groceries and boom, I would make the dish. Super easy. And they had all of the staples in their pantries, like the rice vinegars and the oils and the seeds and the baking powder and the cocoa powder. All those things that if you buy it, it's more expensive, but then it lasts you a little bit longer. But when I'm living on my own, I don't know, I got nervous to buy those bigger things because they were more expensive in the moment and I thought oh my gosh I can't afford this even though it would last me quite a while I didn't see it long term for some reason so that kind of put a stall on my creativity a little bit I would say and I was very straight to the point with the meals that I had to make I did make I remember I made a quiche every week back before I'm allergic to eggs now. Before I was allergic to eggs, I always made a quiche with my mom's pie crust recipe and then whatever I want to put inside, you know, the eggs, cream. Sometimes I put broccoli, red pepper, sometimes I put zucchini, um, a bunch of different spices. I would always have a lot of fun on Sunday making my quiche. But then throughout the week, I was pretty plain. I would have toast, I would make some salads occasionally. I was really into, this is so random, turkey meatballs. I don't even know, don't ask. I I wasn't huge on vegetables and fruit back then like I am now. I would buy pre-made turkey meatballs and have those with like rice and broccoli sometimes for dinner. So I was pretty plain. Still loved cooking, still was obsessed with Food Network, but just didn't have as much time. I was focusing on dance. Then I moved to Victoria, BC, and this is where the spark reunited, because those of you who know what Victoria is like, it's very earthy, granola girl vibes. Everyone's kind of giving off hippie energy, and there's many more vegans, many more vegan options. I was exposed to more vegans, more vegetarian lifestyle through some of my close friends. So they were introducing that a little bit more to me. All the produce seems so much more colorful over there. I don't know. These were my memories of Victoria when I was making the transition from meat eater to vegetarian to vegan. But within like two, three months of being there, I became vegetarian because I was just so inspired. And I started to cook with so many new vegetables. I was making really beautiful salads and bowls and stir fries. My roommate as well was vegetarian, and she was kind of grossed out at the idea of me cooking meat. So I always felt super uncomfortable when I had to cook my chicken over there within the first few months. So that was kind of another reason that just led me to being vegetarian because I didn't like making her uncomfortable of course and it's her kitchen so I was like okay I can be vegetarian sure yeah so I started to really experiment and I knew I wanted to be vegan eventually for environmental reasons of course but I wanted to ease myself into it because I know that it's a big adjustment if you come from eating a lot of meat to eating vegetables and legumes and grains and stuff like that, that I wasn't super used to eating as much of. So I wanted to give my body some time to realize what was happening. And then around, I think it was December of 2019, that's when I became vegan. And I came home at Christmas and I was vegan. And with me being a fresh vegan, I was super excited to now try all these new vegan dishes I'd heard, and get some of the cookbooks of vegan cooks that I really liked. So throughout that whole Christmas time, I remember being really into testing out new things, new recipes, especially for like Christmas dinner, stuff like that. And that's kind of when the idea of creating my own cookbook came to be. If you know me and if you have listened to some of my other podcasts, especially the New Year's Resolution one, I talk about how I love to set goals for myself for the next year. Just things that will inspire me throughout the year. Even if it's not a New Year's Resolution, it's something I want to get done. And that's how the cookbook came to be. I just thought, you know what, I want to make my own cookbook. So I wrote it down in my journal, create your own cookbook. That's all I wrote. I had no idea what that was going to become. I didn't know that that was going to actually develop into a real cookbook that I would sell. But I wanted to start creating my own recipes. And the only way that, that would I would really be motivated to do that is if I made a book out of it. I also like to do a lot of crafts and stuff and collages. So the idea of doing that with all of the photography and stuff like that made me excited as well. And then 2020 hit, I went back to Victoria, feeling inspired. I was working on this cookbook or basically just working on developing new recipes and thinking of things that I wanted to try out or experiment for the first few months. Not really having the chance to try them because, again, I was living on my own and it was expensive to buy ingredients to test out new recipes. I was kind of just sticking to my usual. I worked at Freshie at the time as well, which is like a salad bowl place. So I would take a lot of the leftovers from their home and eat that food because it was convenient and free to me to have free salads. So I wasn't really focusing on spending a lot of money on buying ingredients, but I was developing recipes just off of what I knew, like ratios that I had seen. For example, I've seen in a show in Food Network that in order to make a cake, you need eggs, you need butter, you need this and this and this. So I was like, okay, eggs. What's the vegan version of an egg? It's flax seed mixed with water. Okay, great. Butter. What's the vegan version of butter? Coconut oil. Great. Stuff like that. I would just try to figure out what I needed and I would roughly sketch it down and then draw a little photo of what I wanted to the dish to look like. Then... The pandemic hit, which was actually a blessing in disguise for me because two weeks into the pandemic, I flew back home knowing that I would be home for a while or at least for the next month. Little did I know it would be like four months, but it's fine. I went back home and I had all this time on my hands. So I just dove head first Is that the expression? Dove head first? Anyway, I dove head first, if that's the expression, into creating the cookbook. I spent all morning, my mom can vouch for me here, I spent all morning in the kitchen testing out the recipes that I had written down, making adjustments, having my family try it, going back to the kitchen, making more adjustments, having my family try it. And then in the night, I would do all of my dance classes on Zoom, upstairs in my mom's bedroom because of the time difference of BC to Ontario all of my classes were at night which was actually great because I liked baking and cooking more in the morning for some reason especially baking so it was more fun for me to do that in the morning and then the lighting was perfect mid-morning slash early afternoon to take photos of the recipes I was making and then at night I would go and do my dance so I was able to fit it all in and I did that until I went back to BC which was like in June so I had so much time to work on my cookbook and continue to test out recipes and flavors and ingredients and the more I did that the more inspired I got to continue doing it especially taking the photos was so fun for me just seeing My recipe ideas come to life, and my mom's a graphic designer. She actually does work from home with her job, so when she wasn't working, I was able to use her software that she had on her computer, and I was able to create the layout for my cookbook with her help, of course, because I didn't know quite what I was doing at the beginning, but I had all of that software accessible to me, so it was great. I would... I could Photoshop the photos if I needed to adjust things, adjust the lighting, take out a a mark in the back or make something look a little bit smoother. And then I told my mom the layout design I wanted, the fonts, we found the fonts together. We were able to start to create the cookbook. So I spent so many hours in the morning, really early morning, I wake up really early by the way, spent so many hours, like 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. before my mom would start working, I would be working on this cookbook on her computer. And then she'd start working and I would go in the kitchen from like 9 to 12, maybe even 1, working on recipes, cooking, just having fun. Of course, this wasn't every day, but it was quite often. This was my outlet. We were in the pandemic. And then I would take photos of the recipes at around one, have people try them, write notes, and then still have more time in the afternoon to just lounge around, do what I wanted before I started dance at like five to (laughs) ten. That was what my pandemic looked like. And it was great because I got to focus on not only dance, I got to explore this other hobby this other passion I had now I wasn't able to fully finish the cookbook of course within those few months that would have been insane if I did a whole cookbook within three months but no I made a huge dent but I wasn't finished not nearly close to finishing so then I went back to Victoria and I actually moved to Vancouver to start with Arts Umbrella in the fall and I wanted to keep up the momentum I had with creating recipes. And I knew that I wanted to create the cookbook by the end of 2020 because I set that goal for myself at the beginning of the year to do the cookbook. So I thought, okay, the cookbook's not going to be ready for print January 1st, 2021. I knew that. But I wanted to set the goal now to have all of the recipes and photos taken by the end of 2020. So all I needed to do was figure it out online from there. So when I came back to BC, I decided that each week I would focus on a new recipe. So at the beginning of the week, I would choose what recipe I was going to focus on or create, and then I would decide what ingredients I wanted to use. I would do some research on previous recipes, that I had seen what worked for some people, what didn't work for other people. I would see everything so then I could develop a perfect recipe for myself. And then on Friday, I would go out and buy the ingredients that I thought I needed. And then on Saturday, I would spend the day in the kitchen and I would create the recipe. Not the whole day, of course. I had to work. And then on Sunday or Saturday, depending on when I actually made the recipe. If the lighting was good, I would photograph it. And that's kind of what I did for all of those weeks until December when I came back home for Christmas. If the recipe didn't work, then I would do that recipe plus another the next week. So it was a busy time for me, but uh, I loved doing it. I didn't feel like it was work at all because it was very interesting to me and I got food out of it. I got to eat what I was making. I didn't have any allergies at this time, so it wasn't difficult for me to eat all of the ingredients that I was making. Whereas now, a lot of the things in the cookbook that I made, I can't even eat, which is kind of funny. So I did that and I was able to get all the recipes done. Especially when I went home in December again, I really powered through during that Christmas break. I was making many more recipes a week than I was when I was living on my own. And sure enough, by January 1st, 2021, I had all of the recipes done, everything photographed. So then all I had to do was figure it out within the design aspect, within the actual creation of the book. So then for, I think it was like three months, my mom and I would go back and forth because now I was back in Vancouver again. My mom and I would go back and forth. I would say what I wanted, added. She would do it. She would send me a PDF file and then I would take notes. We'd FaceTime. I would say, oh, can you move this over here? Okay, I want this font a little bit bigger. So a lot of work on her end went in, which I know you're listening, mom. Really appreciate all the help that you put into this with me. It was so fun. I couldn't have done it without you, seriously. Yes, we did that for like three months. And then by March, I was able to to print it. And we got the copies printed. And I was able to actually get them into people's hands mid-April. Or was it end of April? I can't entirely remember. The reason being is that I sent out a pre-order Found out how many people wanted copies. Can't remember the exact number now. Let's say it was 200. I paid for 200 copies of my cookbook to ship to me. They arrive, but the packaging was all ripped up as though it had been in some sort of fight. I don't even know. I open the boxes to see my cookbooks and they're destroyed. I was furious and like worried that all of this money that I had paid was just down the drain because these cookbooks were ruined. They were ruined on the outsides. The covers were all scratched up. Looked like they had been out in the rain or something. But the insides were perfect. So it was a little confusing. But I can't sell these cookbooks to people that had ordered them with the outsides being ruined. That's not okay. I was able to contact... The people who printed and sent them photos saying, I can't sell this. You know, you need to send me more. And then they said, okay, yes, we'll send you more. But we're going to take these other copies back. And I thought, that's kind of a waste. My cookbook says zero waste. I really hate to see things wasted. And I try to make an effort not to waste things. So I was confused at why they'd want to do that. But there was literally no way around them taking them back because I knew they would take them back and what would they do? They would just toss them in the trash. Whereas if I kept them, maybe I could sell them discounted or give them out as gifts because they were still fine on the inside. So I finally got the new order of cookbooks. Now I have four hundred cookbooks sitting in my kitchen in Vancouver. And I'm waiting for them to say when they're gonna pick up the other ones. They don't say anything. A week goes by, two weeks go by, a month goes by, nothing. Long story short, I got to keep the cookbooks, which was amazing. So now I had 400 copies, which was even better because now it's been two years and there's still some people that are interested in buying copies. So I had many leftover copies that I was able to sell very discounted throughout the years. Yeah, so now I only have a few copies left, actually, and they're still in Vancouver staying with one of my friends but if you're in Vancouver and you want a book just hit me up ever since I made the first book I've been wanting to make a second book and people have asked me are you gonna make a second are you gonna make a second well of course I want to make a second but also I'm really focused on dance right now and it's like a very important time for me because I'm trying to get a job so that is taking up a lot of of my spare time and I'm living in Spain and I have all these allergies so there's been things that have gotten in the way of me having the time to sit down and start creating a new book but I will say on the spare time that I have had I've really been trying to develop a concept for a new book and I have a good idea and I'm starting to make recipes so It's coming along. It's not going to be as fast as the process of the first one because we don't have a pandemic. Thank goodness. But it's coming. That's all I'm going to say. That's kind of the story of my cooking journey. Now we are where I am today, which I still love to cook. I sometimes don't think other people would like what I make for myself just because I have to be a little bit more plain because of my allergies, I still think that I create some pretty good dishes. And there's sometimes that I've made something, like I make a really good stir fry or salad and I'm eating it and I'm like, wow, Deva, this is really good. Like I even say that to myself, I'm like, oh my goodness, so good today. I get really excited and I'll write it down because some flavor combinations just really worked out. So I'm always experimenting and I never use recipes anymore in the kitchen, or if I do use recipes, I kind of just look at them, I look at the title, like lemon quinoa chickpea salad or something, and then I'll make my own version of that, but I won't really like look at what the actual ingredients are, because I just like to get the inspiration off the name, and then I have ideas in my head, and then I experiment from there, so I'm still very experimental, probably the most experimental I've ever been, Also, I'm just lazy to read a recipe. (laughs) I don't bake as much because it's hard for me to make things that I can eat, to be honest. And in Spain, I can't find some of the ingredients that I would use for vegan baking. They're just a little bit less accessible. Maple syrup, for example. I love maple syrup. That's also a Canadian thing, I guess. (laughs) I put maple syrup in a lot of things when I'm baking, and I can't find it here. Maybe I'm not looking hard enough, but I've heard of people that have found it here, and it's much more expensive than it would be back in Canada. So I do a lot of my baking when I'm at home. And I also still really love to cook and bake for my family, but I do it non-vegan a lot of the time because my family's not vegan. And my mom, she loves cheese. So if she loves cheese, I'm going to throw cheese into some of the dishes I make for her to make her happy, you know? Or if I'm baking, I don't make it gluten-free because that's a whole other added layer. That is my cooking slash baking slash vegan journey. Today's question of the day is, what advice would you give young dancers who want to become professional dancers? I love this question and when I was younger, I remember people maybe my age or a little bit older who were teaching classes were telling me things that they thought were really important to know at my age and I remember writing them down being like, okay, yes, this seems like it's really valuable, specifically talking about auditioning and how to do it. And I remember writing those things down, not maybe necessarily about becoming a professional dancer. And I'm still on that journey of trying to become a professional dancer. But the advice I would give to my younger self or anybody trying to become a professional, I would just want to say that, yes, the dancing aspect is important. The flexibility, the strength, all of that is important, but... What's just as important, if not more, is what's going on in your mind, is your mental state. That's going to affect your motivation, your inspiration, how much you're going to give in the studio each day. Are you distracted? Are you thinking about other things? Are your thoughts not on the right thing? Are you getting lost in things that maybe you think are important but really aren't? Your mindset is your superpower and once you can get a hold of that you're literally unstoppable that's why meditation is so valuable for me because meditation is just a tool to help you train your mind so you have more control over your mind and your thoughts and they're not the ones controlling you but also just knowing your worth knowing how valuable you are as a human And then you can be the best dancer that you want to be and that you're capable of being just because you know that you can. I don't know if I'm making sense here. But people who do have that healthier mindset, of course, nobody's perfect. Like, I'm not perfect either. I I slip all the time with my mindset. But it's just a matter of being aware of that. I'm aware that I'm slipping, that I'm going into a more negative thought And I'm able to take that awareness and try to adjust things so that I can get back onto a better path. So having that awareness, you just know yourself so much better. And you see things in such a different perspective as well. Especially within rehearsals, within dance, within absorbing information that people are telling you. It's not just information that's being put onto you. You can take what you think is valuable and put it into your own dancing because you know yourself. You know what's going to work for you, what's not. You know if something, maybe you should try it out. See how it does work. I think I'm rambling a little bit. I just don't want young dancers to push that aside. Like, oh, that doesn't matter. It's okay if I'm in this negative, unhealthy mindset because the only thing that matters is dancing. The only thing that matters is that I'm more flexible or that I get this role or that I'm seen by my teacher no, none of that matters. That's all external. If you don't have a good base to go off of, none of that matters. You need to know your worth and know who you are and who you want to be in order to take any of the external advice or anything that's being given to you and actually use it for good. That was today's question. And with that done, that wraps up another episode of Dancing in the Kitchen thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate everyone who has been commenting and reaching out to me saying that they really like season two and the new format. I really appreciate those comments. Anything that anyone wants to tell me, good or bad, honestly. I just want to hear from people. Have a lovely day. Have a lovely week. Have a lovely night. Have a lovely afternoon, whatever you're doing right now. And I'll see you next week.